Hi, this is Jerry Reynolds for Sacramento Electronic Supply, who has been servicing the Sacramento area's industrial electronic needs for over 75 years. Family owned and operated, Sacramento Electronics is a registered California small business that prides themselves on their customer service. Their showroom and warehouse are open to the public to browse. Whether you're looking for wire and cable, tools and testers, connectors or relays, Sacramento Electronics is open for you Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. directly south of Costco in Rancho Cordova. Or hey, visit them online 24-7 at www.sacelec.com and do it. Oh, another rebound in a crowd by the Brock Ness Monster. Ooh, that would be Pedro. Who? Jim Bob Foley? Holy moly. How about the Tasmanian Slovenian with the stop, drop, and pop? Tiffany Hop from the King's Herald Barbershop. You're listening to the King's Herald Show, a bi weekly NBA podcast that covers all the ups and downs, ins and outs of your one and only Sacramento Kings. As always, I'm your host, Will Griffith, and with me today. He's the writer for the King's Herald, my co-host, Tony Zipteris. Tony, how's it going? Will, it's it's going pretty good. I think I can say that I am the highest on the Kings right now as I've been all year, so then in turn in the last 16 years. So it's an interesting feeling, but man, things are things are going well, and, I, and I'm pretty excited about it. You are absolutely right on that one, my man. Uh, he's a former Sacramento Kings head coach, GM and color analyst, general manager of a WNBA champion, Indiana Basketball Hall of Famer. It's the true pride of French like himself, Jerry Reynolds. Jerry as always, it's an absolute pleasure to have you. How's it going? Oh, couldn't be going better. I mean, my goodness, this Kings team, I just, I get nervous like a little kid waiting for the games, you know. <laughs> they're just so much fun to watch. And I'm like, Tony, they're, they're better than I'd even hoped by any stretch. So, hey, well, you know, I wish they'd just play double headers. I'm enjoying it so much. <laughs> well, they basically did against the Clippers. That was almost a double Yeah, yeah that was. That was, oh, my. I'm not over that yet. <laughs> well, we are back from our all-star break and into the home stretch of our very first playoff run as as members of this podcast. Uh, there's 22 games left. Kings are a perfect 3-0 since the all-star break, and they're now 10 games above 500, something that they haven't done in almost 20 years. Uh, they're three games up on the Phoenix Suns for third place in the West, four and a half games out of the seventh spot in the playing scenario. Uh, who'd have thought that the least interesting thing to happen in February to us was that four Kings were participating in all-star weekend out in Utah. So, so guys, it's been a few weeks. We're going to start right here. Uh, how are you feeling? Expand on your thoughts a little bit that we've just started with here. How are you feeling about the Kings heading down uh, the stretch of these last 20 games or so? How are you feeling? Are you guys nervous? Are you guys excited? Is it more of a tentative? How are you guys feeling? Well, I'm, I'm nervous uh, because I mean, I'm, so, so enjoy this team so much, and I want to see them end on as good a note as possible. Having said that, I was convinced uh, before games after the All-Star break that the Kings uh, were in real danger of, of losing their spots to both the Suns and the Clippers. I'm not saying there's still plenty of time for that to happen, but I, I, I definitely feel like they can hold a, the top six. Uh, you know, and I wasn't sure of that, just with the – with the additions of these other teams. So, Hey, I'm a, I'm a happy camper right now. Tony, the, the Kings have the fourth strongest schedule remaining. How are you feeling about the Kings heading into these last 22 games? 
I feel great right now. And it's, uh, they, they were not great heading into the all-star break around the trade deadline. They played about 500 basketball and things were kind of on the fence. They didn't make any moves. So there was a concern that, Hey, they're not playing great right now. They didn't do anything to improve all of their competition in the West did, but then to come out of the all-star break, uh, three and oh with three good wins especially that Clippers win I mean we could spend a whole podcast talking about just that Clippers game but the response to coming into the all-star break a little flat not making any use of the deadline and then the answer is three and oh three huge wins against potential playoff teams um uh, yeah I'm very high on this team right now like Jerry I was I was afraid right now I'm not not too afraid at the moment maybe that's maybe I'll regret saying that but right now I feel pretty good yeah, it's one of those things where, like, uh, heading into the All-Star break, I was like, if we can just stay, like, seven or eight, I'll be happy. And now, like, just three games after, I'm like, we can hold three. We're going for two right now. Yeah, we're chasing <laughs> yeah, that might be a little too cocky for a Kings fan after 17 years of this. But, like, the fact that the Kings have got me feeling that way is a start. Like, I might not have anything to back it up, but it's surely a start that, uh, as a fan, I'm feeling like, yeah, we could take two. Is that is that, Jerry, am I crazy for thinking that? Well, probably, but, uh, <laughs> but, but I mean, I'm call me crazy too. I, I mean, I think the most important thing is what the players feel. And I think they feel like they, they belong in the upper echelon, whether it's third, second, I don't know. They may even think they're better in Denver. Uh, I don't, but uh, you know, the important thing is, is what they and the coaching staff feels. And I think they're in their own little collective there and, uh, as Tony pointed out, they weren't playing very particularly good basketball for the break and gave some concerns. But uh, since then, no, I, I'm not going to apologize for being optimist uh, and optimistic. I may get to do that later, but I'm not going to right now. I'm at a spot now where I hadn't even planned on mentioning this, but like I'm at a spot in terms of my Kings fandom where like there was a, a report uh, from Brian Windhorst that uh, the Lakers want the Kings in the first round because they're an inexperienced team. That was something that came out today. And I got on my high horse a little bit and was like, you guys are in 12th place. You sat at 13th place for a lot of this season. Like, don't tell me you want us in the first round of the playoffs because you got five places to go just to get into a place where you might be able to play us. Jerry, is there any is there any bit of this where you could feel a little indignant about a team as terrible as the Lakers about them thinking like oh the Kings are an inexperienced team we really want them in the playoffs? Well, I always feel indignant about the Lakers, <laughs> anything about them. So I'm 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 indignant. But having said that, I also watch them, and they're a lot better right now. <laughs> you know, and and I agree. I wouldn't want to play them in the first round because of the absolute hatred that would come and and at, with possibly if anybody else could if would if beat the kings i might could handle it yeah. you know yeah. Yeah. so i guess that's where i'd put it i i mean i don't want to i'm not trying to sugarcoat it i i i just hope they don't even make the play in but i'm pretty sure they're going to and, uh, you know, barring, barring injury, then, you know, there's a great chance of that with that team, but they've improved themselves a lot. That's a lot better team talent wise than was earlier in the year. Absolutely. So, so we kind of, we're kind of touching about this a little bit, but like, uh, Kevin Durant still hasn't put on a, a son's uniform. The Mavs are playing just under 500 basketball since trading for Kyrie Irving. The Clippers are still trying to figure out how to add Russell Westbrook to the mix here. The Kings kind of have a slight cushion there with with a three game lead on 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 the on the Suns. 
how feasible do you think it is that the Kings actually keep their position at three? Like how, how, how realistic is it to expect that the Kings can hold three for the rest of the season? Well, I think they've got a chance. I mean, I, I wouldn't have thought so earlier, earlier. And that, and that was assuming that Kevin Durant would come out of the shoot, uh, really uh, playing comfortably at major star level and would stay healthy. And, and those are two big ifs. I mean, I think it, it might take a little while for him to fit in there. Obviously, you've got a couple guys, you know, especially Booker, that's used to getting a lot of shots that he's going to have to take a step back, and not everybody can do that. But, uh, okay, yeah, can they hold him off? They can. I, I, I really believe that they can because uh, we just don't know enough about Durant. You know, I mean, just you, know, you can't know what you don't know. Tony, what do you think about that? Do you think the Kings can hold on to three? I do. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> this is a good time to record the podcast. Like I said, I could not be more optimistic. I am chasing Memphis at two. I think they can go even higher. And it part of it is I don't I don't fear the West a lot. I will say the Clippers, despite the fact that the Kings beat them, Kawhi Leonard looked like the I don't know as good as any player I've seen in a game all year. The Kings could not stop him at all. So the Clippers are actually maybe the scariest team to me. Of, of teams that are below the Kings um, Phoenix. Yes. If they, if they can get everyone healthy, Dallas has a lot of chemistry issues. They need to work out. Like they've added a, a, the biggest, most um, difficult to fit piece of any of these teams. I think so. Uh, could any of them pass the Kings? Sure. Like it's that tight. That's the nature of the Western conference this season, but I don't, I wouldn't want to play the Kings right now in the playoffs or down the stretch. The crowds have been crazy. The, the energy from this team is insane. They, I, I think they, sort of feel the disrespect a little bit with stuff like that wind horse comment. So if I'm the Lakers and I'm trying to get into the playoffs or if any of these teams below the Kings, I, I get the inexperienced argument, but I would not want to play the Kings right now either. When you see the, the way this team is coming back into games, running teams off the floor, the best offense in the league by a, by a decent margin right now. Um, so we can talk about teams chasing the Kings or, or who can pass the Kings, but man, I, the Kings, the Kings have something going here. I would not, I would not, think they're like an easy matchup or an easy team to pass it's going to take some work to pass this team you know one thing too i i think is a little erroneous uh you know i mean domas has played in a lot of playoff games harrison barnes played on a champion uh i mean you look at kevin herter played has played in a lot of big playoff games so you got three key guys there and of course uh davion mitchell uh you know he played on an ncaa champion under a lot of pressure I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm not saying that what they say is Wendy was wrong because obviously LeBron and 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 Davis are at a different level in that in that situation. They won a championship, but I I don't think it'd be guy any reason to believe these guys just kind of wilt. You know, I mean, I think they're a little more experienced uh, than the media thinks because the media hasn't really paid much attention to this mm -hmm. team. Mike Brown too. Mike Brown is an That's experienced head coach Absolutely. as anyone else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Great point. If if Mike Brown were a Luke Walton, where it's like, oh, he's just a player's coach. Players like him. That'd be one thing. I'd be like, okay, maybe Mike Brown wilts under the pressure. But like, he's a meticulous coach. He's a guy who's time and time again been known for like getting his players prepared for the scenario ahead of them. And so it's one of those things that like, I have no, I have no doubt in my mind that if the Kings wind up in the playoffs, those guys will be fine that they're there. I mean, there might be some nerves because, Hey, they're there and others oh, pressure because the Kings haven't been there since most of those guys were in middle school. But like, I don't expect there to be a lot of like 
error filled, like, oh, the Kings are just sloppy because they don't know what they're doing. I Mike Brown's staff is too good for that. And and the, the Kings, I feel like at this point, are playing too well to just absolutely crap the bed in, in a first round of a playoff series against anybody. Um, so so Jerry, I guess I guess Tony mentioned that the Clippers were his kind of I don't want to play them in the playoffs. Are the Lakers we're just gonna assume the Lakers don't make it there at twelfth right now, just playing how how it is right now with the seven through ten being the Warriors, Jazz, Timberwolves, Pelicans. Pick whoever you want out of the top 10, Jerry. Who's who's the matchup you would – and I've knocked on wood prior to this podcast, so we're good. No, no jinxing this uh, is, is going to happen. Who would be your team that you'd be most nervous about playing in the first round? Well, I mean, if it would, could come to that, I don't know how it's all going to play out. So, I mean, the Kings could move up to second. Uh, you know, sure, that changes sure. things. Or third, sure. But, I, I mean, there's – the two teams that scare me the most are, are the Suns and the Clippers. I don't know where you face them and, and, uh, and maybe the Suns the most, because I do fear Durant. I know he can make big shots in, in championship caliber games, not just with the Warriors, but Oklahoma city and, and, and certainly a great playoff run a couple of years ago. So he's a big time shot maker and, you know, Booker is and Carl. I mean, they, they they're loaded. Uh, but the Clippers, and I agree with Tony. I mean, Kawhi Leonard played as good a game as I've seen all year. I mean, and, and really healthy, playing like – and I watched him last night against Denver, same thing. I mean, he was breathtakingly good, shot-making, and, and really as a complete all-around player, he, he might be the best player in the league. You know, when you really factor defense in yeah. and everything, because he's – you know, he and Adetta Kupo, to me – might be one and two. I mean, and I would have no problem with Jokic being MVP. Don't get me wrong, but but I think those guys are both both uh, can be factors defensively more so than Jokic can. Okay, so I mentioned it earlier. Uh, I might as well give us uh, some time to speak on it. Uh, All Star Weekend happened between now and our our, our last pod. Uh, Kevin Herter scored a contest low eight points in the uh, three point contest. Keegan Murray hit a game winner, but ultimately didn't play incredibly well during the Rising Stars events. Fox and Sabonis played sparingly during the actual game, which might have been the, the least interesting all-star game in NBA history. So, guys, uh, I'm going to give you guys a chance now so we can get it off our chests. Um, chime in on anything you want to say about this previous all-star weekend out there in Utah. What do you got for me? Well, I, if I go first here, I one thing I would say about Herter, you know, I, I don't know if I said it on this show or some others, but I, I felt he would have a tough time. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't, I mean, I thought he'd do better than that, but he's a, he basically gets lift on his shot and, and, and that, that competition that goes to spot shooters, Keegan Murray would do a lot better in that than Kevin Herter or, or Monk. I mean, just because of their, the way they shoot the ball, you know, with quick, quick two foot plants, get a little bit of push in your legs, but you don't really have to get a lot of push. And uh, so anyway, I, I thought I'd be right, and I, I'm not happy that I'm right, but I was. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then, the uh, of course, I enjoyed the dunk contest. I, I think they sped it up. They made some real changes, where, and all the dunkers were outstanding. Uh, you know, and I, I thought without all, all of the gimmicks that we normally see, McClung had a few, but, but uh, just an amazing show amazing show so that part right i didn't watch a minute of the celebrity game and you no, know i mean I. <laughs> yeah oh my god you know get rid of that 
<laughs> and, and and I don't really even care about the rising stars thing. I, I'm not sure. You know, it might be overkill there. Uh, they they play harder than the All Star game, and then I'll just get off. So Tony's got a chance, but I detest that All Star <laughs> game. I was insulted as a person who loves competitive basketball. I tried to watch just because of our two guys, and after ten minutes. Mrs. Reynolds come on and said, why don't you turn that off? You're just cussing and yelling at it. And that's what I did. And so I did. And I feel felt a little prouder of myself. Uh, but to me, and I've said this before, you guys know it, and I, it. You know, I'll go along with Michael Wilbon on pardon interruption. The only way to save this damn game is to have uh, two teams, an NBA all-star team made up of American-born players versus foreign-born players in the NBA. And I think that would make it competitive, not because of the Americans, but because the foreign-born players would take it serious and want to win. And you'd, you'd have a comp very competitive game and probably the, you know, the Embiid's and the Dedekumpo's and Doncic's and Shea Gilgis Alexander and all those guys would probably win. True. Yeah, Tony, what did you think about this, uh, this All-Star weekend? Yeah, I love the NBA versus world uh, gimmick for the All-Star game for sure. And I, I was telling this to Jerry before we started recording, but it is like as fans, we we root for these guys to make the All-Star team all year. We haven't had an All-Star since DeMarcus Cousins. And we've got this, this finally, this team that has two All-Stars on it. And the reward is you get to watch this incredibly shitty game of basketball. So uh, that was not a lot of fun. I, Mac McClung kind of saved the weekend. But I guess what I what I ultimately learned is the only thing I care about when it comes to all-star appearances is that little star that Fox and Sabonis are going to have next to their basketball reference uh, page on the, uh, for this season. Uh, they got that done. So as far as whatever happened on All-Star Weekend, I don't care. We got the two all-stars in, in the mix. So uh, that was a win either way. If you didn't like the game, you didn't have to watch it like myself, who kind of ducked out after 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah, I, I watched the whole thing. I, I I try to roll that that giant stone up the hill every single year, and every single All Star weekend it ends with like the ball rolling back down the hill and me waiting for next year to like watch the whole thing. Mac McClung was great; he was obviously the highlight for me. But like, the actual All Star game is is unsalvageable in my opinion. Like every mm -hmm. gimmick that they've put on there, like the the charity, like oh whoever wins the quarter, like that's a decent thing in theory on paper. It's mm -hmm. crap. It's terrible in real life. No, not none of those players care. None of those players are like, oh gosh, oh no. If only Shriners Hospital could get five hundred thousand instead of four hundred thousand, they just it's not something that appeals to them. It's incredibly awkward to like have to like count in your head like, oh here's the score for the quarter and here's the score for the game. Nobody wants to see two different scores up on their thing at the same time. The the Elo ending, like that's just like putting the dog out of its misery. That's very much <laughs> yeah. like a, that's very much like a, we can't watch another full quarter of this. So guys, we just, we just punched into our calculators when people stop giving a shit and whatever time they'll tune out at, that's like two points earlier than, than when we stop. So like, okay, score, go score 15 more points and it's over. Nobody cares. Like no, nobody cares, especially the players. Well, mm -hmm. uh, you guys probably missed it. Maybe you saw highlights later. But there were there was three or four possessions where it was just Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum going at it one on one, and everyone else on the team like they stepped to the side, They're like literally all hoarded up on one end of the court, and they just went back and forth this way with not no one laughing, no one. They just stood there looking at it like, okay, cool, this is just going to be part of it, I guess. 
in a competitive game, in a game where like, oh, every star is getting the ball and, oh, we've got this special matchup for a trial or two. Okay, fine. But like, this was just something that you were just like, my God, these these guys aren't even playing shoot around. Like like coaches would have yelled at them if in shoot around they'd had, had gone to oh, this. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, you're... Oh. It's terrible. Uh, it is terrible. I mean, and to be choosing up like you're on a playground or something. Yeah. With uh, two guys who you're given special recognition is uh, allowing them to do that sort of thing. It just makes it so cringy. Yes. And, uh, you know, one of the worst things I think about getting old, and there's a lot of things <laughs> uh, bad, is I remember when the All-Star game was great, where they really competed. Yeah. And they, because, you know, the difference in money meant something and the East versus West meant something. And, and I almost now wish I'd never seen it because it just, it, it just, it, it's just like, a, it, well, did that really happen? Well, I know it did. Yeah. And, and, and then to watch just embarrassing crap, you know, it's just, it, that's all you can say. So I won't say more. I don't know how you save it, but so, somebody needs to save it. And and it, it's it's not with the ELO ending. It's not with, with charity. It's something completely different that has not been brought to the table yet. Well, Commissioner Silver better start being a commissioner. That's what I say. Sure. Start sure. with. And, uh, and as Tony and I always said, I mean, I think that that's the last hope for it is, uh, you know, an American – foreign born i mean if that doesn't work then just stop it save the pain and and, you know have a show where you announce the players and they can come out there and and jump around or then you can have some performers and uh, do some you know diddly squat stuff and there you are you just just have more games like the dunk contest like just have more little silly things and don't have a main feature game just just have it all on one night where it's like okay dunk contest three-point contest pie eating contest whatever the hell they want to do yeah just just just, just don't have a full game yeah i, I the pie eating that's a better idea than yeah, what I saw. i'd have tuned in for that yeah. <laughs> I would, all bets going to Jokic. uh there would be no, no one else to yeah. <laughs> okay so uh something far more interesting and fun has been uh darren fox's play of late he's on a franchise record seven straight games of 30 plus points Uh, During the stretch, he's averaging 34.4 points, basically seven assists, three and a half rebounds, and two steals a game. He's shooting 57.9% from the field during this stretch. Uh, Jerry, Tony, what have you guys seen from Fox during this incredible run of games for him? And and do you expect it to continue? Like, is this this a flash in the pan, or is De'Aaron Fox fully and finally arrived? Well, I don't think it's a flash in the pan. There's no doubt he's just gotten better and better. I mean, there's a lot of reasons. I think the coaching staff is part of it. I think marriage and a child is maybe part of it. His past experience, his work ethic, uh, uh, getting his old teammate Monks here. Uh, Sabonis is a great fit with him. Uh, You know, no disrespect to Tyrese Halliburton, but Halliburton being traded uh, really – put the put put him out there on the spot and he probably needed that so so that's all all really good you know i was i think you know i do a a podcast with whitey gleason and the family called old-fashioned three and we're just old fools talking about stuff but uh we're talking about about uh uh De'Aaron and i was saying you know where I see him now, I, I, I've started the way he's played lately reminds me a lot. I'm serious. 
of Tiny Archibald in his prime. And I was a young college coach at the time. I watched every practice of the Kansas City Kings. The year he averaged 34 and 14 assists, led the league in, in both. And was, you know, he was a many-time all-star. You know, he finished up with, you know, damaged goods a little bit in Boston. It was still good. <laughs> still good, but he a Hall of Famer. And, and now the thing that strikes me about, about him is he's just like Fox. He could go get a shot anytime he wanted, you know, and Biggs, you know, it's the same thing where, where defenders were so scared of him because he was so quick and explosive. They'd give him the 12, 15 foot shot because otherwise he'd, he'd take the layup. And that is the Aaron Fox. Now I'm not saying he's hall of famer yet, but I, I will say this, he, his level of play right now is moving past star to superstar. And, and I, and I think all those things have had a part of it. it it's the perfect storm, I think for De'Aaron. Tony De'Aaron's hit 28 out of 30 attempts at the rim this, uh, this month, 93% at the rim in February. How do you feel like he's playing from your, from your point of view? Well, here's here's the thing with Fox is he's also been and I, at least going back the last two years, maybe three. He's been a second half player like he's he's gotten stronger after the all star break. That's his trend. So I, I don't know how far further up he can go from here, but it's great to see him put it all together. And like you said, we'll have those those uh, rim percentage numbers early in the season instead of waiting till the second half when the Kings are sort of out of it, like we've seen in, in seasons prior. The other thing about Fox that I think is interesting, um, he's a high usage player. He takes a lot of shots. He scores a lot of points, but man, I never watch him thinking like, oh, that's a bad shot or, or he's a ball hog or guys are wondering why he's taking so many shots. Like he, he has all the numbers that say he's like a, a primary scorer. He shoots a lot, but nothing, really nothing is a bad shot. The players feed him. They want him to take over. There's no bad energy about the shots that he's taking from his teammates at all, which is great. And even um, last night against the Thunder, just the the teammates that Fox has now where they can close at the lineup of Fox and they uh, Mike Brown even used Harrison Barnes at the two, Keegan Murray, Trey Lyles, and Demantis Sabonis to close the game. So you've got Fox with one great pick setter, three shooters with size in the perimeter. He's never had these sorts of teammates before either. So it's just a, it's everything coming together for Fox. And when you are the Kings and how the Kings have played in seasons prior, you, you wonder if things will ever come together for a player like, Players need to get traded to find themselves because they the uh, the front office here can't put them in their in their best scenarios. But but McNair has done a great job, really giving Fox the runway to be the best version of himself. And it's just great to now be a fan of an organization who can do that, who can draft a really young player and and find the right players, right coaching staff, right scenarios to make him better instead of having to deal him away or have the media say, oh, he's got to get traded somewhere else to find himself. Fox is doing it here, and it's been great to watch. Jerry, where does he end up? I mean, right now, the way he's playing, where is he in terms of like historical perspective for the Kings in terms of best point guards that the Kings have ever had? Is he playing the best outside of like maybe Oscar Robertson and 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 Tiny, like you were talking about? Is he right up there in terms of Sacramento history, at least uh, in terms of how he's playing right now? Well, only Oscar and Tiny Archibald you that could you could put ahead of him right now. Only those two. I, I'm absolutely sure of that. And uh, now I don't I mean I would uh, be blasphemous if I thought he could ever pass Oscar because I don't, you know, I just think Oscar is one of those, you know, half dozen 
greatest uh, all especially all around but but i mean he, he's in tiny category that's for sure and that means hall of fame and so uh yes in answer to your question i mean uh, the mike bibbies or reggie theuses or bud webbs or whoever played here there it's not the same he's playing at a, a much higher level than in my mind and and i don't mean that as disrespect but but he's playing at a much higher level than any of those guys the uh, the broadcast seems to be um, pretty set on. I mean, this isn't this isn't necessarily uh, an indictment or anything else like that. We hear a lot about the about De'Aaron Fox in clutch time, in terms of his field goal percentage and how many he's he scored more points in clutch time than any player in the NBA. How much does that stuff mean to you, Jerry, as as a former coach, that 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 he's scoring as much and he has all these accolades, particularly in crunch time. Well, I think it's important. I mean, I'll say this. I, I kind of wish they'd do less of it because it gets I'm not sure what purpose it serves at some point, <laughs> you know, but but uh but to me what it means more importantly, he's he's uh, getting points clutch time in winning games. Sure. And and that's all the difference, you know. I mean, sure. you know, he is, you know, it's like Tony pointed out earlier. I mean, his teams want him to take those shots, they want him to have the ball. Uh you know, it's, it's, the, like I say the perfect storm, but, uh, you know, he is, he is getting his points in bunches at times when they need them in bunches and they need them in bunches to win. And so that's, that's special stuff. That's all I can say. I think there was a, a quote from Sabonis. It was a, it was, I think prior to the all-star game where Sabonis was talking, he'd filed, he'd fouled out and basically said like, Oh, I wasn't worried because like that that's Fox's time. Like they're in the fourth, like, I knew Foxy was going to take over Tony. I, I'm curious uh, from, from the fans perspective there, like uh, how do you see this, all, all these, you know, clutch stats and everything else like that. Are you, are you buying into him being a clutch player of the year this year? And if so, do you feel like there's anyone who could, uh, could come close either in a, in a comparison to the history of the NBA? Are we talking, Oh, he's the most clutch player since Kobe Bryant, like, or everything else I've seen on Twitter about him being the most clutch player since so-and-so and such and such, or is this something that you're kind of like, yeah, it's nice, but like, I just want to win the game. Well, I think as a regular season award, uh, he's got to be the favorite, but I, there is a certain level that you get when you start doing it in playoffs in, in big moments when games are on the line that have real, real ramifications. So I guess that's the only next step Fox can take here to further cement his clutchness. But the, the other point with Fox that I think is worth mentioning is this isn't just a player who's putting up good individual numbers because we've seen that happen before. It's also on a team that is third in the West and also the best offense in the league. So you've got a player who's leading leading a team to the playoffs with his crazy numbers that you mentioned, Will, is scoring at the rim, all these other accolades that he has, and he's also doing it on an offense that is number one in the NBA. So what else can you accomplish on that side of the ball than what Fox has had? But those are just the tests that have been in front of him so far. I think we'll see how how that translates into the playoffs because players, I would say, better than Fox have had worse runs in the playoffs. So it's it's a kind of a different ball game there where coaching staffs are scheming to stop you every night and they've got plenty of tape and they've got, uh, I don't know, weeks to think about it and strategize. So that's exciting, though. As a fan, it's exciting. Like how far, how high can Fox's ceiling get? I don't know. We're going to see the competition level step up in a couple months here in the playoffs. And I'm I'm super interested to see how Fox handles that. Yeah. You know, to me, that that's a super point there about the playoffs, because I mean, to me, uh, we've seen Damian Lillard do it. 
we've seen Doncic do it uh, in in big playoff wins. Uh, uh, we've seen uh, uh, Devin Booker do it. You know, we've seen those guys do it. And so that you can't, you know, you can't know what you don't know or you, and he can't do what he hadn't had a chance to do. But, but uh, you know, there, there again, that'll be, that's the final kind of challenge, you know, and you can't, I mean, Trey Young has, has always been better in the playoffs than he has a regular season. You know, I don't, not in love with this game at times, just like Lucas, but at times, but, they generally speaking, they they have come up big when you're supposed to. I feel like I feel like all three of us have operated this season on the assumption that Demontis Sabonis has been the best player for the Kings this season. And I only think of this because we're we're headed towards the last twenty games. The Kings are the third seed, uh, the, the surprise third seed in the Western Conference. If they hold that, I don't expect much MVP voting to go either Sabonis's or Fox's way. I just I just don't see a universe where either of them mm-hmm. end up top five. But I'm curious for you guys as Kings fans, and uh, we've assumed Sabonis is the best player of the season. Has Fox going on this incredible run changed any of that thinking for you in terms of who the best player on the Kings is right now? It has for me. I mean, I, I felt for the first 30 games that certainly Sabonis was the most valuable player, and I think I was right. I yeah. think he was, yeah. uh, but I think that has changed. I mean, I think the most valuable player on this team right now is De'Aaron Fox. And and if you can make DeMontis Sabonis your second best player, uh, that's pretty good stuff. Yeah. And and that's and that's what needed to happen. Sure. Tony, what about you? Yeah, no disagreement there. I think they're, you know, if you want to say Fox has been better recently, but Sabonis is better for the first few months of the season, then I think it's pretty close. So I don't know how to call it. Uh, they've they've both had moments where they've been better than each other. It's just great to have them both both on this team. And I guess we'll see how they close. And again, like not to bring back the playoffs conversation with Fox's clutch scoring, that's going to be a huge factor too, because sometimes right, like once you are, once you establish yourself as a good team and the Kings aren't there yet, but they're doing that, the regular season stats don't say a player is better than another player all the time. It's how you perform in the playoffs in important moments. Like Jimmy Butler will often not have the best regular season stats, but if he's coming through in the playoffs, people will think he's a better player than Bam Adebayo or anyone else on the Miami Heat. So that's the other, I guess, wrinkle to the Fox Sabonis argument is we'll see who comes through in the playoffs too. And and that might steer this argument one way or the other. Well, and and too, you know, it's like the, the, you know, the guys who get better in the playoffs, as you point out, I mean, always think of James Harden getting worse. Yep. You know, he's had a lot of disappointments after marvelous playoff or regular seasons. And then guys like Jimmy Butler, Drew Holiday comes to mind that really just becomes better. And he's plenty good anyway, but he gets better. And so that, yeah, but we can't know, you know, hey, I'm, I'll be looking forward to seeing. That's all I can say, but. <laughs> Uh, do you guys expect as we're as we're kind of rolling through the last twenty games of the season, if Fox can keep this up, do you guys expect to see any all NBA love for for Fox? Do you expect to see anything? I, I, again, like I try to couch this by saying, like I don't expect, even though they're a surprise third seed, I don't expect to see any sort of MVP love in the same way that Ja Morant got, in the same way that some of these other guys have gotten. I don't expect to see any of that. Do you think that at least they've gotten to the level of like a Sabonis? And Fox making an all NBA team at this point, or is it just too, too, too few spots for too many good players? Well, I'd be surprised. Although I think you could, I think both could be deserving of a third team, all NBA type thing. I really do, but I don't necessarily think they'll make it. Uh, 
maybe, you know, what I do think is they're on the, you know, they're on everybody's list now. I mean, people, and I think as time goes, it'll, you know, probably sets them up for next year, especially Fox, maybe more so than Sabonis because of his, the numbers he'll put up. Okay. So I want to go through the the first three games back since, since the all-star break, really there's one game I really want to talk about, but it would Mm -hmm. be a disservice not to at least uh, lightly touch on the other two that have, that have sandwiched either side of this. So, uh, the first game back was a game against the Portland Trailblazers, a squad that got stuck sitting on the tarmac for like 20 <laughs> hours spread over two days trying to get to Sacramento. They they showed up. They sat on the plane all day. Damian Lillard had time to write, record a music video and a rap about being stuck on the tarmac. They went back. They got back the next morning, sat there again till the afternoon. Suddenly, uh, not only. OK, and th- basically it turned out Damian Lillard, Jeremy Grant, Anthony Simons. Yusuf Nurkic and a few others did not play that game. The Kings basically went up against the Trailblazers bench. Um, they they let the Trailblazers kind of control the tempo early. They exploded in the second quarter for for thirty seven. They cruised to a one thirty three to one sixteen victory from there. But Jerry, tell me what did you guys see from this game? And maybe maybe you can speak on Jerry specifically on how difficult it can be coming back from like an All Star break or a long break without playing those kinds of games. Yeah, you just don't know how teams are gonna come out i mean i thought the kings at first four or five minutes it didn't look like <laughs> they were going to come out of the all-star break but I, you know it's funny i wasn't really concerned i just felt like i you know i see who portland's got out there pretty soon uh, the, you know the kings are going to get back in the game i didn't know that they did how they did it but by the first quarter i think it was eight points so you know th- yeah. this thing this thing will take care of itself yeah. uh i really I don't know if the Kings, you could say, beat them. They they just didn't have enough players to to win, yeah. and uh, so you know, so that's that. But uh, they did what they needed to do, and certainly were dominant in the second half, and that's enough. Yeah, in each of these games after the All Star break, I thought the bench was was really key, and that was something that we criticized, or at least I'll speak for myself, around the trade deadline for Monty mm-hmm. McNair. Did he do enough? Did do they have enough depth? And I thought in each one of these games, you can talk about major contributions from bench players. In the Blazers game, I thought it changed completely when once uh, Terrence Davis came in. His energy off the bench was huge. He dropped 20 points off the bench. And just the the way that he was fighting in that in that Portland game was, uh, I don't know, just one more. When the Kings bench is playing well, this team is really hard to beat. And for a while there, they weren't getting enough contributions. And that was fueling this trade deadline talk that they needed to add pieces and we'll talk about the rest of the games, but that Portland Trailblazers game, I just think of Terrence Davis and, and what he was able to do off the bench and kind of maybe proving McNair right versus standing Pat there a little bit. I totally agree with that, Tony. Uh, Terrence Davis is one of those guys that would be like, oh yeah, throw a second rounder in Terrence Davis and go get X bench player. And like Terrence Davis has done this time and time again where he won't play for stretches and then the Kings will need him to do something and he'll go off for a random 20 points to kind of pull them out of a slump or dig them out of a ditch a little bit. And I think you're right that like he at least uh, especially in this Trailblazers game was one of the things like all right I'm I'm glad we had Terrence Davis tonight we might not have pulled this one out of Terrence I mean not pulled it out but it would have been closer if Terrence Davis had not had not been there coming off of the benches there as their third guard you know he's pretty decent defensively I mean at times he forgets but but he's uh, really tough minded he's he's got a lot of courage about him and and this team and I always say it's one of the things when Terrence does play. I mean, these guys are so unselfish. They really, you know, Sabonis in particular, maybe they try to get him shots. Yeah. 
and then yeah. you know they really try to get him shots and 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 you know he might be in there five minutes and get four or five good looks and and you know he he shoots with confidence because he's he's good and he knows it but uh yeah he's a valuable guy i i bet more valuable than i thought he'd be this year to be truthful with you i mean uh you know you know right now that if you had a, a key injury to anybody other than fox of the guard line uh you you know you're you're covered you're covered okay so 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 this next game is the one i really wanted to focus on it was the excuse just to talk about these other couple um the Kings go down to Los Angeles to take on a Clippers team um, that's hot on their heels. Kawhi Leonard is healthy. Uh, Paul George is healthy. Russell Westbrook is newly signed. It's his first game there. The Kings and Clippers go for 351 total points in the second highest scoring game in NBA history. Before overtime, it was 153 to 153. Uh, Fox winds up with 42. Domas has 20 and 10, despite Tony brother's best intentions and fouling him out early in the, early in the fourth Malik monk comes into the fourth with 15 points and winds up with 45 points. This is, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll state first here. This might be the best Kings game I've ever watched yeah. in terms of one specific game. Just picked at random. This was the best Kings game I have ever seen in my life. Guys, that might be a little too much. Talk to me about it. Jerry, Jerry, you can go first. You have the historical perspective here. Where does this ring? Talk to me about this game. It uh, it might be number one. I mean, I, I swear. I mean, I, I certainly think it's a the, by far the best I've seen in two decades. Sure. Uh, I mean, sure. my, my memory is such that I don't want to, you know, there's, sure. you know, back when the Kings were really an elite team and this, that, and the other, but but yeah, what a what a what a marvelous game! And you know, not just the win, but but they beat a team that was playing very well, incredible. And and, and I thought uh, probably Mike Brown that uh, really outcoached Ty Lue down the stretch. I thought made a couple of moves that I thought were really doubling Kawhi Leonard in spots, uh, getting the ball out of his hands when they hadn't done that earlier. Really created some problems for him. The little bit of zone they picked up and stretches past the half court line. I mean, Fox was really getting after it. So as, as bad as the defense was, the Kings came up with a couple of outstanding defensive plays and that was probably the game, but, but you know, I, I, yeah, it was remarkable. Just when they were dead in the water, you know, it, about three minutes to go in the game, they came up with about four straight turnovers. Uh, and that, uh, you know, and, I'll say one thing. The only mistake I think Fox made all night, I know he made some turnovers, but I think it's in the regulation where he came down and took a three. Yeah. And I thought right there, Foxy, Foxy, you can get to the basket. You can get to the basket. And, but anyway. The only other game that I could compare to this, obviously the stakes were lower because this team wasn't very good, but that Chicago Bulls comeback was the last time I got this feeling of, oh my God, what are the Kings about to accomplish here? Like, is this really going to happen? And uh, that was the feeling I got watching that Clippers overtime win. And just like I mentioned, Terrence Davis, Terrence Davis against the Blazers, to me, this game was a, was at least in part about Malik Bunk off the bench. 45 points is insane. It's an insane scoring total for a starter for anyone. But again, just the Kings getting that that one guy and again, in the Thunder game, we had that too. That one key contribution from the bench. And for, for the Clippers game, it was Malik Monk. Um, and yeah, we talked about Kawhi Leonard. He seemed unstoppable. He was so, so even against Harrison Barnes, who's another strong defender. Uh, Kawhi was making him look very, very weak, just backing him down into the post. 
Um, so that's a scary Clippers team, and the Kings did it. I mean, that was that's a signature win if if you can ever have one. You know, one thing too on that. Uh, uh, I was watching the show today, and they had said all the biggest leads that a team in history had lost, uh, uh, and and twenty seven was the most. And I said, well, wait a minute. No, the Kings came back from 35 yeah. <laughs> in, in the third quarter. And I mean, I still say that's, that's the most miraculous thing I ever saw. Cause I mean, the, the, the bulls were a playoff team and the Kings were really awful, <laughs> but, but yeah, I talk about it, you know, that just proves that, you know, it's never over until it's over, but yeah, I, as usual there, again, you know, I was thinking, yeah, another example of the Kings being, you know, dismissed like it doesn't count, Yeah, you sure. know, <laughs> It's one of those things my uh, uh, my fiance regularly watches me watch the games, and she's she's made comments before about like you never get real excited and you never get real bummed. Like if somebody hits a game winner against the Kings, she's like you just kind of sigh and you stand up. Like you never throw a beer at the wall. You're never pumping your fist, going oh come on, you know. You just kind of just stand up and leave. And she's like, and when they win a game, you could just kind of sigh and shake your head and stand up and and leave. And she asked me, this was a couple of weeks ago, like, why, why do you do that? I told her, well, it's kind of like, get it. Like, a, you ever seen a kid get abused where you raise your hand to him and, and the kid doesn't flinch? I was like, I've just been abused for like 20 years where like, I don't, it, I, it when they, when they lose the game, I'm like, yep, yep. I knew they were going to lose. And when, when they win the game, it's like, well, that's a relief. This was the first game, maybe since Kevin Martin hit, hit that buzzer beater in the playoffs mm. that, that like by the end of the game, I'm I'm screaming, trying to will the team to win yeah. the game. Like uh, with three minutes left in the game, right there when they started to make that run after the second time, she was upstairs doing something else, and I yelled at her like, "Hey, you need to get down here. There's something happening." Yeah. And she was kind of like, "Oh, the dog died. You know, is the house on fire." <laughs> she came down like, "Sit down. You you got to watch this. Something something's happening here." And the rest of that game, she refused to watch because she felt like she would jinx the team by by by. She was upstairs when it started. She didn't want to be watching it while it happens. Fair, but but it was one of those things that yeah. by the end of the game, I was running around the house. I was doing the airplane. I was I was Kurt Gibsoning <laughs> around the bases. I was doing everything I could, getting excited. And she kind of had to remark like, "Okay, actually, I've now now I've seen it. Please don't do it again." But now I now I've seen you actually get excited for a Kings game. And so, if the Kings can warm over my cold dead heart, like. It's also yeah. like, all right, this is a this is a special one. This is a this is a special one. I'm a lot like what you're talking about watching the game. I I've got so I'm I feel like I'm almost like a, a pro football coach, yeah. you know, where they you never know. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. mean, because I know, you know, it's one of those things that that the the thrill of victory, as much as it's a thrill, doesn't outweigh the 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 threat of defeat, you know? <laughs> so, so you just are, you know, you're just walking that line and like say that when the victory does come, it's more of a, Oh, you know, and just walk, <laughs> you know, I can walk around, you know, just kind of be laden for a while. And that's, that's enough. But uh, yeah, it, it's, it, uh, it's such a, well, such a fine line. The old John Wooden thing, don't get too high. Don't get too low. That's right. And I think, I think uh, makes a lot of sense. Uh, that one I was buzzing, Jerry. I could not go to sleep that night. I was up at two a.m. being like, "Why am I still awake?" And it took me a second to be like, "Oh yeah, the Kings scored one hundred and seventy-six points and came back against the Clippers at full strength." But it was yeah. one of those ones that was like, "All right, I'll be tired tomorrow. I'll be hungover tomorrow, but it'll be worth it." Yeah, that's way me. I I was thought well maybe maybe we'll have sex, and I got thinking, "Oh, I'm old. I can't do it." So <laughs> so so you know. It's just, <laughs> 
Okay, so uh, so last one here was uh, obviously uh, the Kings on Sunday night followed up that Clippers game by only scoring 124 points. It was a bit of a letdown, only 124 uh, against an Oklahoma City Thunder squad that uh, was missing a Shagilgis Alexander. Uh, this was a close one for kind of an uncomfortable amount of time where they were up 14 and then the Thunder would come back and they were up eight and the Thunder would come back. And then the Kings just kind of decided to win in the fourth. Like it was one of those games that to me, I felt like they, they played with their food a little bit, but they just kind of went, we're the better team. And at one point they just, the better team showed up. Um, was there any observations from you guys uh, about this game at all? No, I think you've kind of hit it. I mean, I, I thought uh, Oklahoma city did a pretty good job hanging in there, uh, you know, hanging around and, and it was enough to be a little concerned, uh, you know, to me, you know, without Gilgis Alexander, I thought if it got close, real close down the stretch, uh, you know, they just didn't have that guy. Yeah. Uh, and he can be that guy, kind of like Fox. But uh, oh, the only thing, God, I'll just let go. You know, Isaiah Joe, that guy yes. can make shots, man. That guy, it looks good. You know, he's one of those guys There should be a lot of teams kind of eyeballing him if they know what they're looking at because that, that kid – I saw him the night the game before quite a bit when he I think went for 21 of the first half against somebody. Yes. I mean is is almost so anyway, but uh yeah, Kings did enough. They did enough. That that's that's what counts. Get the W on the road. Yeah. Yeah, I guess my only commentary on the Oklahoma City game is is Trey Lyle, 16 points off the bench, and he really showed off his versatility. I, I liked what Mike Brown did to close that game. I, I think I mentioned it already, but he had Fox out there with Harrison Barnes, Keegan Murray, Trey Lyles, and, and Sabonis. That, yeah. that Fox with big guys lineup is not something we've seen a ton of, um, but I think it really hurt Oklahoma City, and I'd definitely like to see more of that. I don't think there's a lot of teams that, that want to match up with that physicality and shooting with Fox putting pressure on the defense is, is kind of an interesting wrinkle for him. Yeah. I do like the idea of uh, Lyle's playing more. I and mean, I think guy's a good player, you know, and, and Betu's played fine, but I, I still think, you know, you could play him at five a little bit and, and play almost the same style as uh, because he can shoot three better and a little better ball mover. But uh, you know, again, as you pointed out, Tony, I mean, I think Brown just, clicks all the boxes I, I like you know he's really got a nice feel for what he does I I think it's going to be interesting going forward here if Kevin Herter doesn't start playing better uh you know uh, he's going to start I mean he's playing a lot less because he isn't playing very well and uh and I guess that I really feel like it, of all the guys he, he's been playing a little selfish at times you know and, and I think uh you know uh that needs to change I don't think you need to not to concern yourself with at the moment, but six, eight, 10 games in with Monk playing like he's playing, uh, you know, Kevin's got to get back to, to being a better player. Jerry, do you feel like uh, playing selfish like that? Do you think that's just him trying to get in a rhythm? Just like, okay, I just need one shot to get me warm and then, then I'll get going again. Cause he's, he played kind of uh kind of cold for the, the weeks leading up to the all-star game for a little bit too there. They, he was he was not necessarily playing his hottest heading into the All Star break either. Yeah, I I do think, and I uh, you know trying to read into, I do think he's hunting for shots more than maybe he had been early in the the season. You know, just take what the defense gives him. It seemed like he's hunting, and and when he gets into the paint a lot, he's taking some pretty tough shots where he could just kick it off to Sabonis in there half a dozen times. You know, just like Monk does. Uh, for 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 throwdowns so yeah and i think 
you know, here again, I, I have, you know, kind of a feeling that he's hearing those big foot monk footsteps. <laughs> and, and, and I, you know, like I say, I think Brown's handling it well, you know, keep the starting lineup. You don't have to do anything. You hope that uh, Kevin get back to playing better. A monk's fine with his role, it seems, but more importantly, make sure you're playing the best players, the most minutes down the stretch, which he's doing. And that's all that counts. One last thing for that Thunder game. Isaiah Joe scored 21 in the second half of that one, Jerry. They've got him on a minimum contract for another year or two. And that I feel like that might be one of the better value contracts this time next year. He might be he might be hunting for some real money after this one. Oh, he I mean, he'll he'll get some real money. I don't, you know, you just don't know with teams. Uh, a lot of teams are stuck with guys, but he's gonna he's gonna get a pretty nice bump, that's for sure, and some guaranteed several year contract, I would think, by the, you know, they'll try to keep him. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that, but I think every team uh, should be in today's game. He's what you're looking for to some degree. Yeah. Absolutely. The 76ers waived him too at the start of the year. Yeah. So anyone yes. could have had him, uh, you know, yeah. The, Th- the Thunder are still my team, guys. I-, I watch this team and I'm like, all they need is Chet Holmgren back. If they have a healthy Chet next year, that's going to be a real dangerous team for a really long time. I, I didn't tweet anything because I've uh, I've got an issue with my hand right now where it's a little bit harder to hold my phone than before. But like, I still have just a just great big like Bugs Bunny heart eyes, the Oklahoma City Thunder. And every time I get to watch them play is, uh, man, I just... I feel like yeah, it's like, like watching my wife hang out with my mistress. It's just a just a good time being had by all. <laughs> well, so, you know, they I mean they do they've got some nice young pieces yeah. there. I yeah. I mean really uh, Giddy, I mean he's a I mean he's kind of a another version of Tyrese Halliburton. He's not as good a shooter, but he's definitely got the playmaking and the, the ability to make and really an unselfish leader uh kind of guy. So yeah, they get home back and you hope home can, can play at a level that he's anticipated yeah i i mean sam presti they know they got to get it turned here by next year because you can see the empty seats and uh, you know they've been spoiled there and so they they need to get it turned okay last bit of king's news before we uh, roll into commercial break and then and then finish this thing up uh casey okpala was uh was waived by the kings um and um he's having a season ending surgery uh, and the Kings signed uh, PJ Dozier for the remainder of this year, and there's also an option for next year as well. Um, you guys have any thoughts on on KZ leaving the team or uh, PJ Dozier uh, joining the Kings for the rest of the season? Well, I think uh, I, I've seen you know Dozier's an NBA player. He's kind of bounced around a little bit, hadn't really found his niche. I don't know that he'll find it here, but probably I. You know, I'd have to say what little I've seen of Dozer in different spots. I think he's a better player than KZ was. So whatever that means. Yeah, to me, I mean, KZ was here to be a, a backup defender, and he was doing uh, giving the Kings a zero in offense. And Dozier's a, a really good defender, too. So he's almost coming here to, to fill the same hole with maybe, hopefully, better offense. So if Monty McNair is, is willing to to make that swap, I mean, Casey got injured, so it was kind of out of his hands. But McNair has earned some trust in me at this point that if he if he likes this player, um, yeah, there could be something there. I, he's, a, he's an NBA-level defender. Whether he can play offense well enough to stay on the floor, I guess we'll find out. Or maybe we won't. Maybe he'll never play, and, and we're just <laughs> yeah. talking about a player that never comes up again. <laughs> okay, we'll be right back for a commercial break. 
Sacramento Electronic Supply now has stock on TrendNet switches, 5 to 18 port gigabyte power over Ethernet switches for all your networking and camera needs. Stop on by their location directly south of Costco in Rancho Cordova, Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Hey, or visit them online 24-7 at www.sacelect.com. Okay, we are back, Tony. We're going to go ahead and roll over to the Patreon question of the day. What do you have for us? Thanks, Will. Uh, on every episode of this podcast, we ask at least one question from our King's Herald patrons. You can subscribe at patreon.com slash kingsherald. You could submit questions on the Patreon, on the website, on Twitter. Um, wherever you submit questions, we usually are, are pretty good about picking them up. And if you don't hear it answered on this podcast, we record a Patreon-exclusive Q&A every month where we ask all the leftover questions. This week, I actually have two questions, one for Will, uh, but I'll start with the one for Jerry. And uh, I think no one can speak to this better than Jerry, but um, Dave Lack asks, I would love to hear any anecdotes Jerry could share about working around the G-Man. And we all know uh, the G-Man called his 3,000th career game, which is insane. So uh, Jerry, Dave wants to hear some some G-Man stories or any anecdotes you might have um, over the years of working with him. Well, uh, yeah, I have a lot, probably more than you want to hear. But uh, <laughs> And of course, shout out to G-Man. That was kind of going to be you know, kind of a topic for me later, but, uh, yeah. you know, the absolute pros pro and, uh, you know, we can, all the accolades. I, I mean, you know, 3000 games, you know, I said, he's the Cal Ripken of broadcasters. I, <laughs> I always said I was, I'm kind of the, the, the Lou Gehrig of uh, broadcaster. He's the, <laughs> the Cal Ripken, but, uh, you know, so much, you know, I started off TV with Gary, a lot of people, don't know that my first year yeah a couple of years and and he was so great i honestly i don't think i would have made it with anybody because i i never did anything like that it was a case of the team said we want you to do this and you know and i know why just because he didn't want to pay anybody and 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 i was there and g-man the the patience he had and and you know really giving me advice how to do it and i'll never you know just just the absolute best guy in the world. As far as antidotes, I, there's a couple things that always struck me. We were playing, we were playing the Detroit Pistons in the old uh, Silver Dome or Pontiac Dome or wherever, whatever it was called uh, in those days. And it's a vacuum. Well, you know, with Gary, nobody's ever seen him with his hair messed up. And, and we were walking out of the, the Silver Dome and, you know, and it, and all of a sudden the vacuum hits and his hair just, it just went everywhere. And me and a couple other guys standing there just, just cackling like, like school kids, you know, and he was bless Gary's heart. He was just trying all different directions to mush it down again. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that, but, uh, but you know, and then uh, of course, just riding with him, you know, we'd always sit together or, I mean, I'd, We'd, in the back of the plane, I'd always sit the very back and then G-Man sat in front of me because I like to be close to the bathroom <laughs> as much as anything. And I like the peace and quiet of being at the back. But but G-Man, I'd always say it's always amazing. I'd see G-Man up here right after a game. He'd get his notes out and start redoing them, working, you know. And, I, and of course, people say, well, when G-Man's working, uh, you know, I'd always tell my wife about it. She'd say, well, what, what do you do? I said, well, I'm 
probably eating a candy candy bar or <laughs> or something. I said, or get get ready to take a nap is my strategy. Uh, and I said, that's why he's uh, one of the very best that's ever done it. But uh, and then the other thing, and I told him this, and I I talked to him last night a little bit uh, about some things. But uh, I'd always remember when he was doing it on 1530 and uh, the, the, the signal was so good. And so I, I was scouting a lot then at times. And I, I remember being in Boise, Idaho uh, and, and wanted to hear the game. It scouted a G League game or something, a D, or CBA then, and could get the game. Wow. And, and of course, you know, I knew he was good. But it just, it, I remember it just struck me as like, wow, I can sit here in my car and I can see the game. I've been act, absolutely see the game. And it's just marvelous. And I know he hadn't really, you know, he'd be be the first to say, well, I might have lost a little bit of a step. I don't know that he has. I and, and, you know, I was lucky enough to work with him as a color guy a few times. Mm -hmm. Now, now that's a, a little interesting in its own because... Uh, that was the time when Bill Walton and Jim Gray were brought oh, in. And, yeah. uh, and, 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 you know, I know that Malus brought them in because if they went to Anaheim, that's that's who they were going to hire, uh, well, you know, basically. But anyway, the, the, the thing was that they would have Bill working with G-Man for a half and then me working with Grant half on TV, then we'd flip-flop. Yeah. And 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 G Man, and I always remember G Man said, "Man, I said I'm sure glad you're over here." I said I now I can talk during the game because because <laughs> <laughs> uh, bless Bill's heart, you know. Because on radio, you know, it's like, yeah, you need to to the play by play has to control the game because yeah. they can't see it. <laughs> it's like I mean, Bill, you know, I know Grant would go berserk with him because you know you know Grant likes to control the broadcast, which he should. <laughs> But with Bill, you ask him a question, and that that goes to halftime, and <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's what G Man said. You know, we'd be going, and I and Bill would get something going, and, and said, you know, there'd be four, five, six baskets scored, and you know, I haven't been able to give the. <laughs> and you know, he's such a pro; it just really bothered him, you know. But uh, but a pro's pro, and uh, you know, I hope he can get five hundred more, and and you know, he's a good friend, and. You know, we've been through thick and thin together, and uh, it's great to see him seeing a really good team. Yeah, have have some fun. He, if there's anybody in the world that deserves it, it's him. Can't imagine Bill Walton on radio. Like it's hard enough with him on TV <laughs> oh. to see the game, but Bill Walton on radio, forget it. No, that was a that was a mistake. I mean, look looking back at you, man. I talk, talked about that. So I had to do over again. I think the ten games that Bill did, I just had to do all of with Grant. I just <laughs> stay with the G man because <laughs> it brought me a lot of joy just to see Grant piss as we he was, you know, because <laughs> because. <laughs> it's <laughs> great will did you watch a lot uh listen to a lot of king's games on the radio i obviously didn't i'm very far away but yeah so so um i told him this one time actually we um um back i was at the state fair one year with a with a previous relationship of mine and he just happened to be walking next to us and i kind of looked over and there is gary gerald and then i kind of snapped my neck back over and he noticed that i noticed and kind of stopped and turned and immediately was like oh shit this is a kings fan right here you know so he he talked to uh, uh he talked to me for as long as as long as I, you know if i wanted him there for an hour he'd have stayed an hour 
but he was incredibly kind to us. And it was one of those things that I got to tell him that uh, back growing up, my parents just had this rule, a nineties parenting thing, I guess, but like you weren't allowed to watch TV during the weeks, regardless of the situation. And so that carried all the way over until I was almost a senior in high school. But it was one of those things that I had a little radio and I could, from, from my place in Redding, California, I could get Kings games. And so I grew up pretty much listening to Gary Gerald on, on the radio. And when it came time for like, I was in middle school and even up until high school, like I used to emulate him watching, you know, like the seventh grade boys games before my eighth grade basketball game, I would just do my Gary Gerald impression. And I would come, you know, I would, I would do the games of the seventh grade and I'd have a, I bring different friends on as my, as my color guys. And we do those games, you know, 10, 15 games a year in middle school and all the way through high school just as something for fun. So it was one of those things that uh, it was a real treat to get to watch uh, Grant and Jerry. It was one of those things that like, mom, come on, this it's the Lakers. Like, come on, come on, let me. All right, fine. All right. But like, as soon as the game's done, it's over and, and you gotta be doing chores. Like I had to make up for it. So it was one of those things that my childhood uh, growing up was Gary Gerald's voice on the radio. And I'd fall asleep sometimes when, when Kings games would go late listening to, you know, Gary Gerald on the radio. So the fact that he, he got 3000 deep into this already, it was, uh, I, I know they, the Kings put out a thing where he, he got the defensive player of the game and yeah. all, all they had a, a couple of videos around uh, Gary Gerald's time uh, with the Kings. And like each one of them had me choked up. It was one of those things that like, it was, it was uh, uh, rightfully emotional. It was something that he absolutely deserves all, all the credit in the world. He is certainly the voice of the Kings when it comes to, uh, uh, when it comes to that kind of stuff. And I'm, it was one of those things that for me, I got touched last night. I was like, oh gosh, uh, yeah. this season, this season's getting too much. Like we're almost loving yeah. on each other too much. Like I, I want one fight. Like if I have to argue about gold jerseys or Poku or tanking for just a week, just to get things back into a regular mode, I'll do it. I'll start the fire. But right now we all love each other a little too much. And it's, mm. it's admittedly very, very good. And I'm very happy for yeah. him. Oh, I was just thinking one other thing that happened to me and Gary uh, a lot is fans would call me G-Man. <laughs> and then and then and then he said a lot a lot of people would say hey you know hey jerry how you know that sort of thing <laughs> we'd get mistaken i and i told him i said you know every time somebody called me g-man he said i said i considered that one of the highest honors <laughs> i said you know i you know i had no problem with it i, I said yeah. do you want me to sign g-man i'll sign g-man i'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm okay uh, that's great that's perfect um Will, I got one question for you from LeBradford, and I we've talked oh, about God. this once, but we got to set the record straight once and for all, Will. Yeah. What is the postseason bet? Will Bradford says, if the Kings make the postseason, Will is doing something to his hair, so I've heard. So it's not really a question, it's a comment, but I just want to set the record straight once and for all. What needs to happen for something to happen? Yeah, okay. So I, I think I said this prior to the season on a podcast, and then I also tweeted it to make sure yeah. that people understood uh, that I was serious about it. And this is a – this I consider – pretty much like cutting my hand open and, and shaking on a blood bet or, or, or whatever else like that. I said that if the Kings made the playoffs, not the play in, but if the mm -hmm. Kings made the playoffs, so one through six, I would shave my head like with a razor down to Mike Bibby bald. Oh, oh, and this was prior to the season. This is when I was yeah. like 39 games would be a, 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 would be an absolute success. And, and I made that knowing full well, that like this isn't gonna happen. Like even if they got forty-one games, like they're probably the highest they'll reach is seven, and uh, 
And uh, LeBradford very kindly reminded me of that, like right after the Kings, like seven game win streak. Good job, LeBradford. And it has haunted my thoughts ever since. It's one of those things that the barbershop that I'm at, they know that it'll happen. I've warned all my clients. Oh, man. You're going to go through with it. Oh, picturing it. Oh, 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 pictures, Jerry. I'll, I'll make sure to post them and everything else like okay. that. If it happens, if if it happens, my okay. So I I have a fiance. Uh, we are planning on getting. Uh, oh, you did something. have. Yeah, you did no, have. Jerry, you're exactly right. And when the Bradford remind me of this, she just heard me let out a big old sigh, and she was like, "What?" And I'm like, "I have to tell you something." And it was kind of like, like, did he cheat? Did he lose all of his money in a card game? And it was something far worse. Because I have to take engagement photos at some point. I have to oh, like. Well, there are there's a. Yeah. I have other weddings this uh, in the fall. I have other events in my life, and I told her like I have to go through with it. Like the basketball gods, if they so deem the Kings to make the playoffs, not to play in, I have to shave my head down to the razor, and so uh, I think she's kind of rooting for the Kings to get the seventh seed. Like, I think Kevin Durant going to the Suns was a big move in my life. <laughs> like no. my, my, my personal life got a lot better when when the Clippers got Russell Westbrook. So it's uh we'll see. It's going to come down. It's going to come down to the wire. But I, I fully intend on I've warned clients for months now. If you come in one day and I have a, a, a three inch you know beard and and zero inches of hair like i'm not going through chemo yeah. i'm not sick uh just the kings made the playoffs and i'm fulfilling my debt to the universe so as well you should yes sir you, uh... yes sir <laughs> so there's there's also one more part to this and that's uh that i have to host and this is specifically for kevin lamb who also pointed this out i also have to host a ladybird watch party for anyone who wants to watch from the king's herald Jay, I don't know if you know what Lady Bird is. It's a movie yeah, about yeah. a girl from Sacramento. Sure, I saw, I saw it. Yeah, did you? Okay. Oh yeah, I, very, I have, very good. I haven't seen it, and that's because uh, the very mean people from Sacktown Royalty and the Kings Herald, specifically the Bradford and Kevin, have made fun of me for years because I misspelled the director's name, uh, Greta Gerwig. I misspelled it at one point in one of my previews, and uh, they openly mocked me for it, and so I have. I refuse to go see it in theaters. I refuse to see it when they brought it back to Sacramento specifically. I've made an issue of never seeing that movie, even though I love everything about Sacramento. And I love that director. She's a great director. I just won't do it. So now I also have to host a party specifically for Kevin. But if anyone else wants to watch, I'll find a day. I don't know how I'm going to do this. Maybe it'll be an online thing where people can tune in to watch me watch this movie. Well, <laughs> so Jerry, if you'd well, like to come to my to my lady, I might. <laughs> if you're bald, I might. Uh, okay. I will. I will say this, Tony. You you think uh, Will's a little sensitive? Kind of got a little. <laughs> I think you know. I think I think he's a little overly sensitive. Uh, just... <laughs> I, I was I was I was bodied on that for years, Jerry. I, I refuse okay. to spell her name right. Uh, if you ever read a preview where I mentioned something named like Grebo Gergen, I'm talking about Greta Gerwig. I just will not spell her name right, just because, well. just specifically because of LeBradford and Kevin. I, I make sure that they know that they've gotten well. under my skin about it. Well, LeBradford and Kevin, Tony and I are on your side. 100%. No, no, it's a good movie too. By the way, it's a good movie. So. Yeah, it's a terrific movie. Yeah, I, I have no doubt it is. I just won't watch it. Because, because because of those two. So is that tied to a bet 
sorry, you, if you you will have to watch it if what? If they make the playoffs? If they make the playoffs. That's, okay. a, that's the second right. part of it. Got it. Okay. I, I, I said if they make the playoffs, I will do both of those things. I will big, shave big my head June down to the you, Will. Big oh June. My gosh. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll, I will have finally seen Lady Bird. I will have shaved my head bald, and I will be single. Man. So <laughs> perfect yeah. Time. yeah. Perfect time yeah. for yeah. all of it. Yeah. So. All right, that's all I got for. Well, actually, I have a lot of good questions, Will, but we will uh, answer the rest of them on our Patreon Q and A next yeah. week. So keep yeah. uh, keep an eye out for that. Okay, so then Jerry, we're going to roll down to you now for the uh, for the Reynolds wrap up. Then, well, basically, uh, we kind of did it. I just wanted to talk about G Man and just how much I, you know, honor and respect him. Just uh, absolute, uh, you know, one of those guys that people say he can't be as nice as he seems. Well, he is. Uh, you know, I can verify that I've been around him 37 years, and never had a bad day with him and enjoyed him and, uh, not a bit of ego to him. Uh, you know, whatever, you know, whatever accomplishments and credit he gets going forward is, is not enough. And, and I like to say, they really ought to name the press room, the Gary Gerald press room in, in his honor, because that's what it should be. So that's about it. Amen. Yeah, we'll 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 get you a statue then, Jerry. If that's the case, we'll make it a little one so I can bring it home and let Mrs. Reynolds see it. So she <laughs> a little Oscar sized statue that was super also. super glue somewhere in the stadium. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Jerry the Jerry Reynolds a bathroom corner or something like that. Yeah, so, well, that's where it probably end up. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Well, for everyone, uh, for everyone at the King's Herald, I want to thank you guys for listening to another episode of the King's Herald show. Um, um, I'd like to thank specifically our patrons only because that uh, helps us keep the lights on, helps us keep Jerry entertained, help helps Tony from going crazy. It, uh, it, it makes a big difference for us having support from, uh, from listeners like you guys. Uh, but thanks to everyone who listens and, uh, you know, we will see you in a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks from now, we'll be ever so closer to a to a to a playoff matchup or a, or absolute disaster. So uh, I can't wait for it. Uh, I can't wait for any Kings game going on from now on. So uh, we'll see you guys soon and uh, talk then.